Welcome to the Alcorn Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 7, and read together collectively. It'll be on the screen, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 7. It'll be on the screen today, this morning. Amen, praise the Lord. Uh, Let's read real loud. Let's not read like we're in kindergarten class and don't want to participate. Brothers, I need you to read. Brothers, be mumbling and putting their fingers over their mouth. Just pretend that you can read, bro, all right? Exodus 20, verses 1 through 7. Everybody, let's read. Y'all sound good. Jesus. Louder. Amen. Let us pray. Uh, Lord, just want to say thank you today, God, that we get a chance to worship and serve you today. Um, I thank you for our gathering, Lord, all the beautiful people that are here in the room today, God. I pray that you would just bless us today through your word. I pray that we would grow in our faith and grow in our love for you today, God. Um, I pray, God, that our relationship with you is just no longer casual, but that, that our that our relationship will be a relationship of commitment and faithfulness to to your goodness, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to grow today, um, open our hearts to just receive your love today, and let us hear your words and study your words uh, in the right uh, heart posture. Um, So, Father, I pray also that your son Jesus will be known today. Um, if, if, If nothing else is taken from this sermon, let it be... That, that Christ loves us, that, that we are loved by the Lord, and that, that we've called, been called to be in a relationship with him. And so, Lord, we thank you today for all that you're going to do, all they're going to say. In Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God said, amen. You may be seated. From the sermon series, 10 Words to Live By, my sermon title this morning is Name Drop Only When Necessary. Name drop only when necessary. I I don't have an elaborate story to tell you this morning other than the fact that I really get upset when people start name dropping. There is nothing that that irks me more than to see people attempt to name drop as if they know somebody who's famous or or important. I, I actually think that name dropping and clout chasing are first cousins. They're related because essentially they both have the same goal in the end, which is to exalt ourselves above someone else. Have you ever met someone and they were the fourth cousin of Jay-Z's grandmother's great-grandfather's uncle? And they say that he is my cousin and you're like, he doesn't know you. He never met you. You, you can never get to him. But, but people name drop typically so that they can be seen important because what that really communicates is that there's 
something more to a name than just a label. A name is something more, more than, a, than, than a label, although oftentimes when people uh, are, are going to have children, uh, they oftentimes look up cool and modern baby names to name, to name their children. And oftentimes you can see throughout years that there are some names that are far more popular than other names because people are trying to name their child something Something cool, some, something, something hip. Some, sometimes people name their children after products. Little Gucci, <laughs> little, little, little Louis, little, little Louis, little, little LV, little Louis Vuitton. Some, sometimes people are even bold enough to name their children after alcoholic beverages. Come here, little, little vodka, little, little, little Ciroc, little Ciroc Jenkins. All right, praise. Praise, praise the Lord. We, 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 we name our children as if a name is just a label. But, but can I say to you, back in antiquity, a name was more than just a label. A name actually was an identity. Your name actually represented who you were. Your name was not just something that people called you. Your name described your character, your person, your essence was all encapsulated in your name. A, a name was something that was important because eventually your name would shape who you were. Re remember the proverb, it's a proverb out there that says that, that a good name is rather to be chosen than riches, which which means this, that, that you would rather have a good name, a, a good reputation than you would have money because you would have money and have a bad reputation. And, and so a name means something. A, a name means something. Back in those days, people were strategic and intentional about what they named their children. And, and so oftentimes we see God would meet people, they would have one name, and then guess what God would do? God would change their name to match their destiny. Abram, you're no longer Abram now, you'll be called Abraham. J Jacob, you trickster, your name is no longer Jacob, your name is now Israel. Be because there is something in a name, a name is not just a label, a name is an identity. It, it is who you are. And, and names are so important that sometimes when people want to amplify their own importance to others, they'll name drop. They'll name drop someone named that carries weight, fame, or some measure of notoriety. But on the other side of that, think about it. If someone misrepresents or misspeaks about something you said that, that you did not say, you, you immediately try to clear it up, not because you care about the facts, but because you care about your name. No, no, I didn't say that. That, that. I did not say that. You don't want anybody to misspeak for your name because eventually your name is who you are. It is, it is who you are. There is something in a name. We don't like people to ridicule us or make fun of us about our name because if someone makes fun of your name or they disrespect your name, it is the same thing as disrespecting you. It is so important. People will go to such lengths about a name that you'll find yourself in an audience of millions. The biggest night of the year in entertainment and you'll yell from your seat, keep my wife's name out of your mouth because there's something 
to be said about a name. We understand whether we know it or not that a name is not just a label, but a name is an identity. And so we do our best sometimes to protect our name at all costs. And if that is true about us, how much more so is that true about God? His name means something. And so for the third commandment, God speaks and says, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. If you got the King James Version and you want to send this sermon to your grandmother, it probably says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. All right. And so the third commandment, we, we, we more than likely think that this is just, we've always thought that this is just a prohibition about cursing or swearing and using God's name. But, but it means so much more than that. The, the phrase, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, it literally means, it, it literally means in the Hebrew, you shall not lift up or raise up the name of the Lord your God for nothingness. You shall not lift up or raise up the name of the Lord your God for nothingness, meaning don't use his name for anything purposeless, empty, or worthless. Don't just use his name. Why? Because God's name represents God's entire reputation. His name means everything. God's name represents the whole of his identity, his character, and his reputation. And so we refer to the name of God. We're not just referring to a label or something that we call God. We're actually talking about his character. Talking about God's character. God's name encompasses all that he is and all that he has done. And so in our culture, we hear something good about a person, we hear something excellent, the name keeps coming up and, 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 and people have good things to say about them. They have good things to say about them. Over a extended period of time, you meet this one, one person, oh, man, he's a great guy, oh, oh, she's a great girl, oh, they're great, they're awesome, they're awesome, and you hear about them, you hear about them, but you've never met them. And when you finally meet them, we, we, we say something like this, your reputation, real reputation precedes you, right? Because what we're saying is, your name carried weight and your name brought forth your reputation. And, and so names are important. So you're asking me, what, what, is, what is God's name? When we look back in the, the Exodus narrative, if we, we go all the way back, we, we don't have to turn there, we go all the way back to Exodus 3, Moses is, is, is called on God's behalf to speak and lead Israel, speak to and lead Israel. He's a, he's a mediator. He, he's supposed to represent God to Israel. So whatever God says, Moses is to say to the people of the Lord. And so when he calls Moses, Moses says, when I go and tell them and they ask me, who sent you, who is this God, what, what is his name, what am I supposed to say? And God says, tell them, I am that I am sent you. I am who I am sent you. It, it literally means I, I, it means I will be who I will be. I'm the sovereign, self-existent, self-sufficient God. I, I, am, I am everything. My, my name encompasses everything. And, and so, so people back then, would, would, sometimes Jews wouldn't even refer to the name of God. They wouldn't even spell it out. So you see these, these, these four letters which represent the name Yahweh, which means the Lord. But the, the name actually meant his identity. And, and so his name is so special. When we go later on, Exodus 30, 
3, when, when, when Moses wants to see the glory of God, God says, I will cause my goodness to pass by you and I will proclaim the name, the Lord before you. Meaning, Moses, you don't have to see me. If you just hear my name, my name encompasses everything that I am. You don't have to see me with your eyes. You just got to know my name because if you know my name, you know who I am. Because the name represents his identity, his character. And so the way to see the glory of God was just to hear his name. His name represented his character, who he is and what he had done. And God was so serious about his name that when the psalmist talks about what happened to Israel, how they got brought out of Egypt, Psalm 106 and 8 says, yet he saved them for his namesake, to make his power known. God saved them for his namesake. He saved them because of his name. He saved them for the honor of his name. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna run through. You don't have to, you can write these down if you're taking notes, but I'm not gonna exegete all of these scriptures. I'm just gonna run through a couple scriptures in Psalms just to highlight the significance of the name of God. Watch this, Psalm 8 and 1. Here's what the psalmist said. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your what? Name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. Psalm 29 and 2, here's what it says. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his what? Name, worship the splendor of his holiness. Psalm 34 and 3, proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt what? His name, y'all slow, come on. Psalm 103 and one, my soul bless the Lord and all that was it that is within me, bless his what? Holy. Holy name, Psalm 124 and eight, our help is in the what? Name of the Lord. Psalm 135 and 13 says this, Lord, your name endures forever. Your reputation, your reputation, his name is who he is. And what this reveals is that when we use the name of the Lord, we're not just using a label. We are referring to his character and his being. And so we speak the name of the Lord. We're talking about his holiness, his might, his power, his majesty. And, and here's what else we're doing. We call on the name of the Lord. We call on the name of the Lord. We invite the Lord to respond to us when we call on his name. Why is that? Because we know who he is. If he is a powerful God that saves his people, when we call on his name, what we're saying is, God, come be who you are and save me. So when we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we're praying according to his character. See, you just like to slap in Jesus' name, pop. We use it like a period, but not like it means something. So we just say in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, not knowing that what we're saying in the name of the one who is holy, the one who is righteous, the one who has power to save, the one who can deliver me, the one who can heal me, the one who can help me, the one who can provide for me, the one who can do all things on my behalf. And so to call on his name is to call God and say, act on his character. And, and so, you guys may have heard this before. If you don't know this, this is news to you, but um, I secretly think that I'm a Navy SEAL. <laughs> you know, some people think that they're, they're secretly a ball player. Some think that they, they're a ball player. Some, some people think that they're, they're a singer, right? You, you sing in the shower, it sounds great to you, right? 
but none of those are, are true for me. I, I think I'm a Navy SEAL. So anything about military stuff, especially about the Navy SEALs or the CIA or some sort of clandestine mission, I've seen the movie. I've watched all of them. I love those movies. I, I can watch them all day. Active Valor, Zero Dark Thirty, Benghazi, uh, 13, uh, 13 Hours in Benghazi. I've seen all of these movies. I watch SEAL Team. You don't even know what that is. It's a show that comes on Paramount+. Plus. But I watch it because I think that I'm a Navy SEAL. But here's what I learned about all the times that they find themselves in danger when they're doing these clandestine missions. When they get in trouble, they have someone to call. It is called a QRF, a QRF, which means quick reaction force. That means if we get in trouble, there's a group of people that we can call and they will be able to get us out of any situation that we get ourselves into. And so they, they come in and, and what happens is they call them on thing, down, taking fire. Taking fire, whatever they say. <laughs> bombs, bombs over Baghdad, whatever. Taking fire, it's crazy out here, it's crazy out here. People are blowing up, all right? And they get pinned down. And, and they, they, they call in, we need a QRF. And here's what happens. The QRF typically comes in and lets them know ahead of time. Get low, because we about to tear the club up. They will bomb the enemy to smithereens. But that's just not what they do. They don't just kill the enemy. They come rescue you out of your mess. They come get you if you are sick. They can, they are, some are medics. They can nurse you back to health. They can take you out of your danger, deliver you out of your danger, and bring you to safety just when you call their name. Their name means something. And so you know what people don't do? They don't walk around the military just saying QRF. QRF, QRF, QRF. They don't say QRF, 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 because when you say that name, it means something. And so you don't just use the QRF when you're at child. You don't just use the QRF on a normal, regular day. You call on the QRF when you know that you're in trouble and you can't get yourself out. And so you don't just use it haphazardly. You call it when you need it. You call it when you need it. And so we know this to be true. Right? Uh, matter, matter, matter of fact, you don't just say QRF because people look at you crazy. You're not in trouble. Why would you just call on their name? We should understand this because none of us would do that. We're not, I'm not going to call on the QRF if I'm not in trouble. But we may not call on the QRF. But we do often say, OMG. Calling on the name of God for no reason forever, for, for whatsoever. We just call on his name. But we shouldn't just call on his name because his name means something. Don't use it haphazardly or when you're not in trouble. You can call on it, but make sure when you call on it, you mean it. Here's how this is important. You know this subconsciously. You know this even if you don't know that you know this. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, here's what he says. Our Father who art in heaven, what does he say next? Hallowed be what? Your name. Hallowed. Holy is your name. Set apart is your name. Sacred is your name. So we're just not going to call on you for no good reason at all. Because to misuse his name is to undermine who God is himself. And so this is what is happening. And I'm gonna give you three ways that even we misuse his name and misrepresent his character. Through foolish speech, number one, 
Number two, through false promises. And number three, and almost most importantly, false prophecy. Number one, through foolish speech. Number two, through false promises. And number three, through false prophecy. What is foolish speech, pastor? It's really any profane language that we use in, in, in coordination and combination with God's name. You know, GD. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You've said that before. But if his name is holy, how do we use his name alongside something that's irreverent? We make light of his name. We mock his name. We say things in the name of the Lord and don't mean it. They're just, just irreverence. Like, like, like I said before, OMG, but that's not the only one that, that we say. When we, when we get ready to talk to somebody and have a serious conversation, guess what we call it? A come to who? A come to Jesus meeting. When we're in trouble and life is spiraling out of control, here, guess what we say as if we're in control? Guess what we say? Jesus, take the wheel. That's not it. When something is crazy or it's outlandish, you know, say, Lord, have mercy. We just use his name all irreverently like his name does not matter. Now, I'm not judging you because we came up with this idea in our house, our idea in our household just this past week as I was studying for this sermon because I realized I fall woefully short of this. So we got a Jesus jar now. Because everything happens, I just call on his name. Stub my toe, call on his name. Drop a cup, call on his name. Too cold in the house, it's just cold in this house. <laughs> just using his name all irreverently. But what this teaches us, that we just shouldn't use his name lightly. Not only do we use foolish speech, we make false promises. We invoke the name of God in order to give our words credibility. We've all done this. When we, when, we try to, when we want somebody to believe us, we say something, I s- s- to God. You said that on the way to church. When you, when you were growing up in school, and, or you, you say something, you want somebody, God is my witness. I'm telling the truth. Or, or, or we said this as kids, I cross my heart and hope to die. We were just killing the third commandment. We would, we would even go so far when we wanted somebody to believe us, we'd say, God, strike me if I'm telling the truth. Knowing. <laughs> Just putting the Lord to the test for no good reason whatsoever. Strike you dead? Knowing you lying. How are we just taking advantage of the mercy of God? This is what Jesus' point is to the Pharisees, that we don't have to do this. Here's what it says in Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Look at what Jesus says to the Pharisees. You have also heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. He's talking about the third commandment. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say do not make any vows. This is what Jesus says. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by the earth because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say simple, yes I will or no I won't. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. Why would he say this? 
Because if God is who God is and he's everywhere, you don't need to call him as your witness. As if he's got to rush in off the toilet of heaven and come down and see about your emergency. As if God is tied up somewhere and you got to swear by his name as if he's not right there. You don't need to do this. You don't, you don't need to conjure up, conjure up his name to give you credibility, to, to convince somebody else that you're telling the truth. And here's another thing. If you're a Christian, either you keep your promise or don't make promises at all. Jesus. See, I did it. Dollar in the jar. Jeez. Amen, I'm struggling. We got to keep our promises. Here's why you shouldn't do this. If you make an oath or a promise and you don't keep it, you make God out to be a liar. We make him out to be a liar. But he's holy, he's not a liar. The third way we break the third command is through false prophecy. And this is a major issue in the church. Oftentimes, false prophecy was just a way to attempt to use God's divine name to advance the prophet's own personal agenda rather than speaking for God. So I'm going to run through a couple of scriptures and show you and highlight how serious God takes somebody saying that they're speaking for him when they're actually not. Here's what, what it says in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 14, 14 through 16 says this, but the Lord said to me, these prophets are prophesying a lie in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, worthless divination, the deceit of their own minds. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the prophets who prophesy my name, though I did not send them, and who say there will never be sword or famine in this land. By sword and famine, these prophets will meet their end, meaning that they were telling the people everything is good, everything is fine, everything is all right, God's not going do anything. God's all talk. But God said that's not true. The people that they are prophesying, the people they are prophesying to will be thrown into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. There'll be no one to bury them. They, their wives, their sons, their daughters, I'll pour out their own evil on them. He will go on to say in chapter 23, I have heard uh, chapter 23, verses 25 to 27 says, I've heard these prophets say, listen to the dream I had from God last night. And then they proceed to tell lies in my name. How long will this go on? If they are prophets, they are prophets of deceit, inventing everything that they say. By telling these false dreams, they're trying to get my people to forget me, just as their ancestors did by worshiping the idols of Baal. They weren't prophesying, they were prophesying. And we have to be careful because oftentimes we are, we are suckers for what appears to be supernatural. God's people were not the only people that were able to do miracles in the scriptures. There were all kind of diviners and sorcerers and witchcraft going on, people who practice all that kind of stuff. So just because somebody can call your phone number out or say your social security number does not mean that they are called from God. We have to be mindful who we listen to. 
Like, like we oftentimes, what we do is we, we accumulate, accumulate a playlist of preachers who, who will soothe and scratch our itching ears. And so we no longer have an appetite for the truth. We only want what is false. We only want what people will tell, people who will tell us what feels good. You're coming out. God is going to do it. You're going to be rich. You're going to be great. You're going to get a promotion. You're going to be married in six months. You're going to get this. Have you ever noticed that they always put these round, even numbers on the promises that they make you? God is going to do this in 30 days. See, somebody like me, a math person, I always wonder, why can't God do it in 27? Why can't God work in 23? Why, why, Why is it all in the next three months? Why is it never four months? But because we're so desperate and so hungry for something that makes us feel good, we take it hook, line, and sinker. But he says this is not from God. So we have to be careful. How do I know when somebody's telling a, 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 a false prophecy? Number one, does it align with the word of God? That's, this is your first barometer. This is the test. If it doesn't coincide with this or if it violates the good, great, godly wisdom that comes from this book, it is a lie. Oh, no, Pastor, it felt good to me because it coincided with what I wanted to do already. And we're guilty of this more than we think. You may not call yourself a prophet, but we're guilty of it too. Because God calls you to do something for him in the ministry, and then you get super deep. Ooh, ooh, you want me to do what? I got to pray about it. Mm, ah, mm, I, I sense the Lord calling me in another direction in this season. No, God is telling me that I, no, that, that I don't want to do it. And what we're really saying is, right now it doesn't serve my own agenda, so I'm not doing it. But it's, some, it's crazy. When, it, when it's something we want to do, God always tends to agree with us. You ever notice how that works? We, we rationalize just absolute absurdity and nonsense when it's something we want to do and we slap Jesus' name on it. We hear no from the Lord about serving him far more than we hear no about committing a sin. When it's coming to serving him, oh no, God told me not to do this. But when you want to sin and wild out, God's never telling you no for that. You can hear God so clearly when it comes to service, but God is silent when it comes to you not sinning. I'm preaching better than y'all responding. It's it's crazy. We don't hear a no from him about committing sin, but we hear no loud and clear when it comes to commitment to serving his church. But what we don't know is that we're all just a group of false prophets when we do this. We misuse his name. We say, God told told me to do this. God told me to do that. Using his name as a blank check for you to make some sort of decision. We tattoo God's name on the back of our plans and agendas when it's really just what we want. I love the way Jen Wilkin puts it in the book, 10 Words to Live By. Here's what she says. She says, we baptize human agendas with heavenly endorsements. So let me just give a little balance to this. Yes, there can be a leading by the Holy Spirit, but that's all it is, it's just a leading. It is not the authoritative word of God. Your feeling, your feeling 
does not mean that is accurate. Your feeling is not a fact. You could feel like doing something just because you feel it doesn't mean that God is in agreement with it. Because you know what I noticed throughout the scriptures? Oftentimes God is calling people to do stuff that they don't feel like doing. No one's ever just ready, come get me, Jesus. I'll serve. I'll go to the nations. When he calls Paul, calls Paul, Paul is in the middle of just killing Christians. Uh, who, else, who, who, who else does God call? God, God calls many men, knocks them off their high horse, whatever they're doing, turn around their lives, but none of them are like, here, come get me, God. It never happens. And what I see is that God is calling people but it's not based on what they feel. But when we do that, we make God out to be a liar. You know what I notice about the, the, the Lord's prayer that he gives us, the disciples' prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven, watch this. Hallowed be your name. Then guess what he says right after that? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That means his name is holy. Right after that, you're doing his will. Another, another way that we violate the third commandment, and this is, falls under the same category of false prophecy, that when we say we serve a faithful God, but there's nothing about our lives that shows that we're faithful to anything besides ourselves. We, do, we, we confess to believe that the Bible is true, but it's the last place we go for truth. We, we, we confess that we believe that God uses our prayers but our prayer life is virtually non-existent. We say we love the Lord, but, 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 we, but there, there, there has to be an act of Congress to happen in order for you to show up to church two weeks in a row. And we say all of these wonderful things about how good God is, but we live like we don't believe it. It's all false prophecy. Because when we say we bear his name and we belong to him, but we live otherwise, it is a defamation of his character. And you know what God says about those who violate the third commandment? The Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. It literally means that they won't get away without punishment. This is how zealous God is for his name. He doesn't even say what the punishment is. He just says, he just says, the Lord will not let anyone unpunished who, who misuses his name. It's kind of like God is saying, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Because when we do, it's a direct attack on his honor and his glory. I'm going to read one more scripture, and then I'm going to shut it down. Leviticus 24, 16. This reveals the severity of breaking the third commandment. Here's what it says. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community of Israel. Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. Now, mind you, you, you can relax. Nobody's going to pull out a stone and stone you to death before you leave church today. But this was a silver law for them, right? This, this was the severity of it. Why, why was it so important? Because they weren't just some normal, regular people. They, they were his people. If you remember what he said to them in 2 Chronicles, he says, then if my people who are what? Who are called by my name. That, that we don't have our own name, we have his name. We don't represent ourselves, we represent God. We represent his name. And so if, if, if he is a trustworthy God, then that means that we have to be a trustworthy people. And so that means 
that we should be known for our integrity, not just in what we say, but in how we live. Because the third commandment is not just about saying stuff. It's about how we live. Our yes should be yes and our no should be no. His name is so important. How do you know this? Because the Bible tells us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. His name is who he is. And we must never forget that we have a responsibility and a privilege that comes with bearing the name of Christ Jesus. Like, like you, rep- you represent him everywhere and in everything that you do. And, and so when we as baptized Christians, you know what happens when you get baptized. Guess what we say? We baptize you in the name Meaning we, we, we take on his identity. We take on his identity. Why is that important? That is important. He, he wasn't just giving them rules, just to, regulations, just not to say something to put a restriction on their speech. They represented him. They represented him not in just what they did, but in what they said. In what they said. And so this highlights the importance of our day-to-day lives and how we represent the Lord. Here's what Colossians 3.17 says. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We obey the third commandment by living as Christians, by speaking and doing everything according to our family name. We bear his name. So, here's what's important. Jesus said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name. Do miracles in your name. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Because there's something in his name. It represents who he is. And so what does that mean, what does that mean Pastor? Do I just need to have a, a swear jar? What does that mean, Pastor? Does that, that, that mean I just, I can't say the Lord's name at all anymore? What, what does that mean? You know, Scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we don't need to wash out our mouths. We need to let God wash our hearts. This is a call for us to allow God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to clean our hearts, to renew our minds, to make us more like Jesus. This is not just about what we say. This is about who we are. And so today, if you are here and you've broken this commandment, whether you've said things that violated this command or you lived in a way that misrepresented who he was, today we can trust in the one who kept this commandment completely not just in the way he spoke, but in the way he lived. Peter said it like this 
when he spoke about Jesus, he says he did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Jesus kept this perfectly for us. And the good news is if you trust in Christ Jesus for your salvation today, even though you are a lawbreaker, you, you, get, you, you actually are a law keeper, but not based on what you've done, based on what he's done, based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. He already took on your penalty for breaking the law. So essentially, I don't even need a jar because Christ Jesus kept this for me. He that knew no sin became sin for us so that we would become righteous. So this is a call for us, not only just to get our act together in the way we speak, but for us to live in a way that God has called us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives us. Because his name is the name that is above every name. Here's what Paul says, and I'm done. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. This is why we can't take it lightly. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, that name, is Lord to the glory of God our Father. So if you're here today, if you're going to name drop, name drop only when necessary because God's name is so powerful and so strong. When you come, when you call him, he responds to us. He responds to us. There is, there is power in that name. It is the power to save us. But we undermine that when we use it for things that are worthless and empty. So let us name drop, but only when necessary. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website, outpouringorlando.com, to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you. Have a wonderful week.